Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void where prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. On this week's edition of the Pigpen Podcast, we're going to discuss the rumors of the Redskins possibly moving up to get Dwayne Haskins in the NFL draft. The pros, the cons, and how the Redskins actually make that move. Plus, we'll talk the future of Josh Norman with the Redskins. Do they move on from him, and how do they do so? And could that tie in to the possibility of the Skins moving up to get Dwayne Haskins? If this is your first time listening, Follow me on Twitter at Denton underscore day. Subscribe to the Hogs Haven feed on Apple and Spotify. Let's roll music and get on into it. This is the Pigpen Podcast. I'm your host, Denton Day, at Denton underscore Day on Twitter. Thank you so much for tuning in. If you're not a member yet of the Hogshaven.com community, be sure to go over to Hogshaven.com and join. Subscribe and rate the podcast feed on Apple, and then just subscribe on Spotify. We got a, a bit to talk about today. Not a whole lot of news. The Redskins did sign Eric Flowers. We'll discuss briefly uh, how that could be a positive in the long term for the Skins. And we're going to talk Dwayne Haskins and Josh Norman, but we are going to start with Josh Norman. He's the guy that's actually on the team, so I figured he gets the benefit of the doubt there. We're going to start with him. Um, so this has been a very interesting offseason for the Redskins. Uh, so far, I would say, and this, is, I guess, is, is early to to make this claim, but so far, I would say this has been a pretty good offseason for Washington. Not the best that we've ever seen, but certainly not the worst. And obviously that can change once we see some of the guys that we've signed in action. But I would say this has been a pretty good offseason for the Redskins. Still no issue, still no answer at quarterback. But I mean, hey, we look at the track record. That's That's been a problem over the years. So that's kind of anticipated. But one of the big questions that we had entering this offseason, and really this started kind of midway through the season, I guess early into the season last year, is the question of will Josh Norman actually play out the the full length of his contract. In 2016, the Redskins signed him to a five-year, $75 million deal, which at the time made him one of, if not the highest paid cornerback in the league. That was a pretty big contract then. Three years later, it's still a pretty big contract. It's about $15 million a year on average. And generally speaking, when you sign big five-year deals like this, it's very rare that a player sees the entirety of that deal through. That's just kind of how the NFL works. The first three years are usually pretty set in stone, unless you're Odo Beckham Jr. They're pretty set in stone the first three years that you live out that deal with that current team. And then after that, it's, you know, it's kind of anyone's guess. And Norman had a little bit of 
struggle. I think struggles would be a fair word uh, to use at times of his play this past season. The Saints game is kind of the one that stands out the most. It was arguably one of the worst games he's played as a Redskin. He had the issue in the locker room with Jay Gruden and the music, which is something that he doesn't. It doesn't seem like he would be the guy to get in trouble for for that. That seems like more of kind of a a younger rookie mistake or error to make having the headphones in when the coach is talking but Norman and Jay Gruden had a little dust up on that but the I mean the question is legitimate should the Redskins keep Josh Norman on for the price and there's unfortunately not a real definitive answer I mean you can kind of go either way on this one thing that's been for certain is that Josh Norman has been a, a good cornerback in the three years that the Redskins have had him. Has he lived up to the $15 million per year number, that five-year $75 million deal? Maybe not. But he's never been a, a real interception guy. So you can't base his, his number of interceptions and say, that, well, that's, that's, that's his true test of success because that's not really who he is. He wasn't even like that in Carolina when he had an all-pro year. He had four interceptions that year. And that's the most interceptions he's had in a season. But he was an all-pro because he was very good at locking down the field. He had 18 passes uh, deflected in that year. He played 16 games. That Carolina defense was awesome. And then they cut him. They kind of got ahead of the game a little bit and said, you know what, maybe Josh Norman isn't actually worth the price that he would demand based on cornerback money. We're going to kind of jump out ahead. We're going to let him go. The Redskins then came in. They picked up the uh, picked up the good old checkbook and signed him. And in three years with the Redskins, his first year, I would say his first year was probably the best year with the team, just from a numbers perspective. Three interceptions that year, 19 passes deflected uh, or passes defended, however you want to say that. That was a career that that's a career high number for him. He played all 16 games. He and Brashad Breeland tied for team lead with the three interception mark. And that was the year that the Redskins won the division and made it to the playoffs. So that was probably Josh Norman's best year. The year after that, in 2017, the interception numbers went down, like way down because they were non-existent. He didn't pick off a single pass in 2017. And in 2016, the three interceptions was a good number. But if you remember in some of the games, he probably should have had, he probably should have had six or seven on that year. There are a couple of interceptions that he just dropped, some of which were against the Giants with the whole Odell Beckham thing. That was kind of the first time they had played since the whole dive bombing incident or like when Odell Beckham kind of rocket shipped his head into Josh Norman's head. That was the first time they had played. Norman had a couple chances at interception uh, and kind of ended up dropping them. And then I think in 2016, at least two of them came in one game against the Bears. In 2017, he had nothing, though. There was no interceptions, nine passes defended in 14 games. And that was either DJ Swearinger and Ken Fuller led the team in interceptions. Each of them had four. DJ Swearinger stayed. Kendall Fuller got shipped off and traded. Uh, who A guy that we kind of thought was going to add one day play opposite of Josh Norman on the outside. He got shipped away. And last year, another decent year for Norman in terms of numbers with three interceptions, nine passes defended through 16 games. DJ Swearinger led the team once again with four interceptions. But we all know how DJ Swearinger's season ended. He didn't actually play the full season with the Redskins. So with all of that being said, those are just kind of the numbers. And like I said, you can't solely put numbers as the the be-all, end-all of the success of a contract for a cornerback. Because simply put, Sometimes teams just aren't going to throw to you. 
I mean, it's really that simple. And Norman has been subject to that at least a little bit. But there are weaknesses that he has that should probably be addressed, probably shouldn't be a big weakness for a guy that's getting $15 million a year. He's not great with a deep ball defense because he's not that fast. He has decent speed, but he's certainly not the fastest corner on the Redskins roster. He's not a fast guy. So if someone beats him at the line of scrimmage, you better help you got you better you better help you got a uh, help over the top there. And maybe that's some of the reason that DJ Swearinger had four interceptions the past two years, because he was helping Norman out a little bit. He gets beat easy on the deep routes. He's not great with just zone coverage. He's much more of a physical, I'm going to press you at the line of scrimmage and throw off the timing of your route at the line of scrimmage. But for whatever reason, uh, the Redskins really don't like to use him in that manner. There was a point in time in 2016 where both him and Bashad Breeland seemed to really like the press man at the line of scrimmage. And for whatever reason, the Redskins said, yeah, we're going to just stick you guys in zone. We'll just stick you there. That's more of our defensive scheme. That that made no sense, but that's something Norman loves to be physical, but he's not great at zone because he doesn't have great speed. I mean, it's it's better to be fast in zone so you can make a quick break on the ball rather than in press man-to-man. You can just allow yourself to be physical in that first five-yard zone and then kind of just screw up whatever timing or route that the, the receiver has with the quarterback. Um, and then, of course, he just doesn't get thrown to a lot. Like, that, that is something that has actually happened, and there are numbers to back that up. Josh Norman, at least in his first two years and probably a little bit last year, didn't get thrown to as much as you would have hoped, and that's sort of why his interception numbers have gone down. But I do think that at the price tag the Redskins are paying for him, it is probably a little too much. I said this just a bit earlier. After the Saints game, I kind of thought that not only was the writing on the wall, it was it was big. The writing was big on the wall with like paint, like big graffiti writing on a wall saying that this is probably the last year that we are going to see Josh Norman in a Redskins uniform because Quentin Dunbar played so fantastic. There was a brief snippet of time early in the season uh, where Fabian Moreau looked really, really good. He kind of, he tailed off a little bit towards the end of the year, but he was a, you know, that was kind of his first real action. So we're going to, we're going to give Fabian a pass in that, in that regard. But I thought the writing was on the wall. said, so, you know, maybe Josh Norman is no longer going to be with the Redskins, especially with that price tag, because Lord have mercy. That's a very big price tag for a guy that doesn't come down with interceptions. I mean, that's that's really as simple as it gets. The interceptions aren't the be-all, end-all. But if you're paying a guy $15 million a year, you would probably like him to have more than six interceptions through three years. That's just kind of how that works. And we can be honest about that. The problem is, if the Redskins do move on from Norman, where do they go? Right now, the current cornerback's under contract. You have Josh Norman. Quinton Dunbar, who I thought played fantastic. I thought he was probably the best uh, cornerback on the team last year. Fabian Moreau, another had had some brief snippets of really, really good play last year. Dominique Rogers Cromartie, who is technically listed under a cornerback, I think he's going to get moved to safety. I do like that signing, by the way. I think that can be a very good signing for the Redskins in the long term because I think Dominique Rogers Cromartie is is good. I like I like DRC. I think that was a good signing for the team. Adonis Alexander, Greg Stroman, Danny Johnson, who I've personally never heard of. Josh Halsey and Harlan Miller. So those are the cornerbacks right now that are under have some sort of contract 
with the Redskins. Of course, the draft is coming up. So the Redskins could get another guy in, in the draft. But I think it's pretty clear it's not going to be a first-round guy. They're not using that first-round pick, 15, or if they do end up moving, we'll get to that in a second. But they're, not, they're likely not going to use that first-round pick on a cornerback. But they can make a move with Norman. They can trade him off to someone. The cornerback class this year in free agency wasn't anything spectacular. So I would have thought that had the Redskins actually wanted to move on from Norman, they would have done it before the start of free agency, so they have a little bit more cap room. But I understand he could be very good trade value for a team that thinks they are one cornerback away from having a great defense, especially in today's super fast-paced offensive fury of an NFL where you kind of need good corners to cover. So maybe one team out there as we get closer to the draft is thinking, you know what, we need another cornerback. Let's go out, give the Redskins a call, see what's good with Josh Norman. I think it's time to move on from Norman. I just don't know if there's a legit foreseeable way that the Redskins can without just cutting him. Just cutting him would be silly. Bunch of cap hits, bunch of dead money. You don't really want that. It's best to try and get some sort of asset for him. And I just don't know how that could actually happen. But I do think it's time to just kind of kind of let him go. We saw enough from Quentin Dunbar last year. As long as he is healthy, he has the potential to be probably a top corner in the NFL. And I think it's time to move in that direction. And then with Landon Collins and DRC as, as the safeties and Monte Nicholson also on the roster at the safety position as well, that, that's kind of a good group. So with or without Norman, I think the Redskins are going to be a good defensive backfield this year. But that price tag is just so, it's so high. And I would say if Norman doesn't get moved before this year, this would probably be the final year that we actually see him in the Redskins uniform. I don't think he gets to that fifth year here. I think somehow they make a move either next offseason or by the end of the year. I don't think he gets the fifth year here. Unless he just unless he goes bananas. I mean, he has to come down with like four interceptions by like the midway point of the season, and he's just absolutely on another level. I just don't think that's gonna happen. That's just not the way that he plays. And that's fine. So one of the other moves before we get into the Dwayne Haskins stuff, one of the other moves the Redskins made this week was the signing of Eric Flowers, who played a little bit with the Giants. Uh not a great great player with the Giants, which is evident by the fact that he was a free agent. In fact, he was actually pretty awful for the Giants last year, but I do have a little bit of hope for Mr. Flowers. Former first-round guy, probably drafted a little bit too high for the Giants, but they needed the offensive line help. They made the move. It didn't pay off that well. But at the same time, the Giants are kind of not the best well-run organization at the moment. Dave Gettleman is doing his absolute best to challenge, and I think at this point, we could still, we could probably all agree that he has rightfully taken the crown off of Bruce Allen's head as the worst general manager in the NFC East. Don't get me wrong. We are still all aboard the hashtag fire Bruce Allen train. But Dave Gettleman is probably a little bit worse. In fact, he's probably the worst general manager in football, at least now. He has a plan. He says he has a plan, whatever. Anyway, back to Eric Flowers. I'm hoping that they move him inside. And I'm hoping this is kind of like a, a a redemptive story where the Redskins acquire a guy like Eric Flowers, a former first-round pick, 
who was essentially booted out of town in New York, and it's used as a motivative factor. And you move him inside to that left guard spot because they need help. They either need more help or they just need Sean Laval to somehow not get hurt. But you move him there, and all of a sudden, he's just a different player. Like that, that, that's the move he needed. He needed a new city, a new spot on the line, and all of a sudden, Eric Flowers becomes this massive all-pro guard. That could be a lot to ask for, but I'm hopelessly optimistic that that is the case. And I think, I guess, it's worth a shot because the Redskins have had such a revolving door of offensive linemen the past two, year, two three-ish years. Maybe he's the answer. Maybe, just maybe. If not, I mean, he, he, the price wasn't that expensive for, for an offensive lineman. So worst comes to worst, we'll just kind of kick him out next year. And that'll be that. It's a quick break. On the other side, we are going to talk about the rumor of the Redskins possibly making a move to trade up for Dwayne Haskins, the pros, the cons, and how that would actually look for the Redskins. We'll be right back. Okay, so we, we've all kind of familiar with the news. If you're not familiar with the news, there is a dirty little rumor going around that the Redskins are interested in possibly moving up to number three, pick currently held by the New York Jets, to draft Dwayne Haskins. J.P. Finley had originally reported something along these lines earlier around the combine time that the Redskins were at least sniffing around, and the Jason Lock and Forna reported earlier this week that there is something, there's a little bit more to this. Maybe not a lot to it, but it's snowballing a little bit. So a move like this would move the Redskins ahead of the division rival, Giants, who are in desperate need of a quarterback, despite the fact that they don't think that they are. They are. They need a quarterback. It would also put them ahead of the Miami Dolphins, who also need a quarterback. Now, the Dolphins are kind of in this tanking for Tua thing, but anybody who knows how the NFL works knows that you don't tank in the NFL because it's a very dangerous sport. And openly admitting that you are tanking is a very good way to lose your locker room, but that's a Dolphins issue, not the Redskins issue, and I don't really care that much about them. But making that move up would hop them as well, and it would essentially say that the Redskins are either super impressed with Dwayne Haskins or they're just not completely enamored with any of the other options that are going to likely be there around the 15 mark. And the Jets could move for the right price, according to all of the reports. That is the problem, though. What is the right price? Because moving up to number three is not a... That's not a slim jump. It's not like, oh, we'll just swap first-round picks here. There's going to be a price to jump up 12 spots in the draft. Could that possibly be where the Redskins decide to move Josh Norman? Are the Jets enamored with Josh Norman? That would be a big contract to take on for a team that just signed a lot of big contracts this offseason. So that could be unlikely. And because of that, the Redskins would have to probably trade more draft picks. And the way that this works, to move up to number three, generally, generally, now this could change, but generally, you don't just trade a second round pick and get the third pick in the draft. That's not really how that works. You swap your first round pick and then odds are you probably add another one in the deal. So this is kind of, in a sense, 
a franchise-altering draft if the Redskins make it because it alters the future of the organization from a draft perspective for at least the next year, maybe two years down the line. And we've kind of been through that before. Now, I don't think that the Redskins would have to uh, trade the amount of draft picks that they did to move up to get Robert Griffin, but we have kind of seen that trading first-round picks to move up very high doesn't always end up perfectly. It's not all rainbows and butterflies. It looked really great the first year with Robert Griffin, and then it soured very quickly after that. Haskins looked good in his pro day because, duh, I mean, throwing to wide open receivers with no defense and guys that you've been comfortable with for years. If you were looking bad in a pro day, that's a very big issue. But most guys look good in their pro day. It's kind of designed to make them look good. But we know Dan Snyder loves, loves, loves new quarterbacks. That is evident by the fact that the Redskins have had 19 since Dan Snyder took over the team. He loves the new quarterback, the new toy. So the, one of the things I'm afraid of is that Dan Snyder could just become absolutely enamored with Dwayne Haskins to the point that he was absolutely enamored with Robert Griffin III, and then that becomes a problem. Because now we're talking, all right, Dan Snyder could just get absolutely crazy with some of the moves, and we know that Bruce Allen, I don't know if Bruce Allen is just a major yes-man to the to the extent that Vinny Serrato was. But I definitely know that he's not incredibly far off. And it seems like Jay Gruden doesn't have the amount of influence that Jay Gruden would want. And this is something that I guess is kind of the elephant in the room that we haven't discussed. If the Redskins make a move for Dwayne Haskins, that is the fourth quarterback who is going to be under contract with the Redskins. Alex Smith who is not going to play. He's also getting paid a lot of money. Colt McCoy, Case Keenum, and Dwayne Haskins. If you had any idea that you would possibly want to select Dwayne Haskins, what the hell was the point of trading for Case Keenum? Like, there should be nothing that has happened between the Case Keenum trade and now with Dwayne Haskins that you weren't already at least sort of anticipating what happened in this process before the Keenum trade. Like you should have known if you wanted to draft, if there was any sort of inkling that you would want to draft Dwayne Haskins, you probably would have known that before you made the trade for Keenum. So if that is the case, what is the point of trading for Case Keenum if you knew you were going to select a quarterback and not only that, but possibly move up to select a quarterback? Good franchises don't make stupid decisions like that. And that's probably the biggest issue of the sorts. The possibility of altering your franchise for a year, two, three years to come, while also having four guys or three other guys already on the roster that play that position as a position that you normally keep maybe two guys on the roster at all times, two to three guys max. No one keeps four quarterbacks. Why? Because that's stupid. There are other positions that you need to have stacked with depth on the lineup. And the Redskins are probably already going to keep at least three running backs, maybe four. We're keeping Adrian Peterson. We're keeping Darius Geis. We're keeping Chris Thompson. 
and maybe one more guy, whoever that ends up being, could be Marshall, could be Samaj P. Ryan, probably not Samaj P. Ryan, but it could be. So that position is already going to have three to four guys. They need all the help at a receiver they can get right now. We don't really have a whole lot of answers there. We lost Maurice Harris. We lost Jameson Crowder. Maurice Harris is probably going to become an all-pro with the Patriots because that's kind of what they do over there. We need help at the receiver position. We need help on the offensive line because we've had all the injuries in the past. And I understand that we don't really have an answer for the future at quarterback. But if we already made the trade for Keenum, it doesn't seem like a smart thing to trade for Dwayne Haskins. I think at the middle of the year this year, either with Keenum starting or with Colt McCoy starting, the Redskins are going to be in a similar position to where they were last year in the sense where they probably had a lot more wins than they should have. They squeaked out a, a couple interesting wins last year. And look, maybe if if you were someone that said, you know what, I definitely thought that the Redskins were going to be 6-3 and three at any point in the season and they're going to be at top of the NFC East. If that was you last year, congratulations. I'm kind of doing the, the, I'm shaking my hands at you, maybe give you a nice little medal. I didn't think that. Most people probably didn't actually think they would be six and three at any point in the year. I think the Redskins could get a quick five wins throughout the first half of the season this year with Case Keenum. So I don't think that we need to make the trade for Haskins. I don't, I'm not saying the Redskins are going to be a playoff team. Please don't. Please don't think that's what I'm saying right now because I don't think they have that in them yet. I just don't think Dwayne Haskins is the right move. And it's really that simple. There are pros and cons to it, but there are also some guys that I see down the road in the draft that I would rather make a play for. Talking about guys like Tua. I mean, we're not doing the hashtag tanking for Tua thing. NFL teams don't tank or don't openly tank. And Trevor Lawrence. I, I was enamored with Trevor Lawrence in the national championship game. And with the current structure of the roster, the Redskins are going to be in at least some sort of decent place to possibly go after one of those two guys next year. And when it comes down to it, I would take one of those two guys, either one, over Dwayne Haskins. And because of that, and because of the fact that the Redskins have three quarterbacks on the roster, I don't think they should trade up to draft Dwayne Haskins. And it's that simple. Haskins could have a good career. He could flame out early. That doesn't matter. I just don't think it's the right move for the Redskins. And it really just comes down to that. So that's going to wrap it up for this week. Any questions that you have for me throughout the course of the week leading up in to next week, tweet them at me at den underscore day on Twitter. Let me know your thoughts on the possibility of the Redskins moving on from Josh Norman. Let me know your thoughts on the possibility of the Redskins trading up for Dwayne Haskins, the pros, the cons, what you think about that. And if you have any thoughts on Eric Flowers, I'd love to hear those as well. But other than that, we're going to wrap things up and I'll see you all next week on the Pigpen Podcast. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? Hero Bread serves up 0 to 1 grams of net carbs, 5 to 11 grams of protein, and high fiber in every delicious serving. Made with natural ingredients, Hero Bread supports gut health, promotes weight management, and helps maintain blood sugar. Hero also drops other limited edition ultra-low net carb goodies like rich, flaky croissants and buttery brioche slider rolls. Head to Hero.co to shop today. 
everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.